her answer to his prayer, I literally cribbed from the Wikipedia article for the non-committal answer that you get from a magic eight ball. Hello and welcome to House of Bards. It's uh, This is the podcast where normally you would hear my co-host Beth and I talking about the shared narrative uh, style of playing role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and that sort of thing. Um, and indeed that was the intention this episode also, but unfortunately Beth has had some technical problems and has had to bow out again. So it's going to be me once again talking to a guest, uh, and it's not Maxie this time, uh, although you may have heard us uh, mention uh, this guest at times in the past. Uh, this is Matt, everybody. Hello! Yeah, um, so yeah, I think we, we, we mentioned you like a couple of times, but... Um, so Matt, Matt, Matt is, is one of our uh, one of our, our group who like play regularly on Monday nights in the rotation of three games that we've got going, and I believe has been in that rotation since the beginning. Yeah. So you play three characters regularly in our rotation, then, don't you? Yes. Uh, I play in your game. I play the wild magic sorcerer Silas, the living shitpost from Tumblr. Um, <laughs> the Mr. Mr. Silas Nobody. Yeah. yeah. I play Harrow Vimes, the blind wizard, and doing his best in um, in Beth's game. And then I play mm-hmm. uh, Leatherhead, the um, the always hungry croc man that occasionally can become a shark in um, Balance Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's not like a Sebek car thing, though. The becoming a shark, though, is it? It's no. just he's a druid. Yeah. So. Yeah. He yes, he is a druid. And um, actually, the uh, what, what's funny is that um, he's not actually a druid in his in in this version of the game. His his class type is called Kahuna, which is kind of great. Oh yeah, because like obviously, um, Cerulean Seas makes a lot of changes to like how certain things work in Pathfinder, and also what a lot of things are called. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting in that like I lo- I I like. I like things that have to change so much because, like, it's clearly a new environment, and it's, like, kind of, like, it's basically just water world is what really it is. It's just, like, mm-hmm. water world happened, and then everyone who can't breathe water is now basically dead. Um, there, there are some yeah. areas of it that are, like, there are some areas of, like, the world that are above water, but, like, that's few and far between. Like, definitely, um, Cerulean Seas is rad. I just, like, Really wish that Pathfinder were not as complicated as it yeah. is. The, the like the upside of Pathfinder it is that like you have like a million options, but like the downside is that you have a million options and none of them are explained very well until like you have to get through like some like actual like busy work in order to understand what the hell is going on. Yeah, like you're you're definitely a big help when we play Pathfinder, but like that's the reason why I made Trick because. I was like, I want to play something really simple so that I don't get so frustrated by this system that I want to cry. So I'm going to play a barbarian who, like, does one thing, does it very simply, and has, like, a lot of passive abilities that make her just, like, ignore a lot of the bullshit that Pathfinder pulls. Like, for instance, uh, the barbarian, like, can't be caught flat-footed at all, so I don't have to worry about, like, that wrinkle in how armor class is calculated. Yeah. Um, upon, like... 
upon playing my first fifth edition game, like it did it, it because fifth edition definitely takes like a whole lot of different things that Pathfinder doesn't, and it's like oh lordy, there is there's some there there sure is mm. some learning curve here. Um, magic feels a lot more powerful in fifth edition. Like yeah, I think it was because like fifth edition, I think like in terms of feel, cribs a lot from second edition, but yeah. they definitely. They didn't like the way that AD&D modeled magic. They liked having like a high magic uh, system because when you play like a wizard, I don't I don't want to be this weird useless guy with a dagger who occasionally casts a spell. Like I want to be casting spells because that's why I played a wizard. They they do a lot more with like cantrips and stuff. Well, and I really like the spell slot system. I do like the new spell slot system. I don't like how parts of like the spell lists are just bad. Like necromancy isn't a thing. Like you have two spells that make undead and they aren't very good. And conjuration is severely nerfed as well. Like there's it used to be in Pathfinder and in um 3.5 and even in somewhat 4th edition which was a very strange edition. Um there was a spell called Summon Monster, which was you summoned a monster from a list, and it stayed for a little while and then poofed away. It was like the basic mm-hmm. conjuration spell. It was your it was your like magic missile, it was your whatever you want to do if you wanted to be like a wizard that summons things. Now you have like mm-hmm. very high level spells, like there's like a fifth level spell that only can create a CR six creature, and that's it. And like you can do like below that, but like it's not very good. And also, the creature becomes hostile to you once the once the, once the spell is over, which is also not good. And mm. it seems like an unnecessary addition. It kind of makes sense in in that, like um, in AD and D, like a necromancer was not really a thing that you could be because AD and D subscribed to this idea that like necromancers as characters were always evil so you basically had to convince the dm to let you be one it's kind of like how fifth edition does that weird thing where the um death cleric uh, domain is only in the dmg yeah so that the dm has control over whether you get to play one and i don't know that i agree with that well like since third edition and higher and then pathfinder does it too there's always been like a death god that is also like there's been, like, the neutral evil death god, which is just, I want to murder everybody. And, like, undead are cool and zombie apocalypse, well, hey. But, um, there's also been the neutral death god, which is, like, people need to die. And, like, that's not something to be scared of, but it just, it should happen because that's how life works. And I think it's, it's quite an attractive um, dichotomy to have. Like, I've even ended up doing it in Dawn Sombra as a setting. I mean, it's between Tanitha, the, uh, the deity of the dead, who is the like neutral um, death god? Is just like you know passage of of life and death, and it it likes undead, but it's not like undead should happen. It's just it's cool if they do. Um, and then you have a Taramaxu who isn't a god but wants to be this like um, usurper demon lord in exile who is very much the uh, the evil god of of um, tyranny and like undead flesh. As fascinating as that is, that's that's not actually what we like came to talk about. Um, we were going to talk about uh, you and your characters and the way that you. Because I think like the reason we wanted to have you on the show is a while back. I want to say like a year ago or so, because like I just listened to this episode and it's likely because it turned up on like my you know 
um, Facebook memories or like time hop or something. Um, that we were talking about like how there's like different ways of doing a character's character and like there's a way that Maxi does it which involves a lot of backstory that like sews the character into the setting and then there's a way that you tend to like to do it which is that you start with a character with like a very 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 simplistic backstory and then the character like builds character like based on the things that happen to him and like neither of those is wrong but but I thought like you know we should like actually talk to you about that because I believe like when you started in my game um all that we knew about Silas was why he was in prison. So, um, a lot of the times whenever I play games, uh, like, I, I go for kind of a mix of things. Like, if I know the setting well enough, then I'll be able to, like, like, mi- like create this long, intricate backstory that, like, has multiple, like, other characters in multiple other places. But, like, at the time, mm-hmm. I didn't really know your setting very well. So I'm just like, okay, I'll just make this character. And then, like, I thought of his backstory, and so... Uh, I guess I'll, like, tell the backstory here. Uh, Silas, nobody, um, is a orphan from, well, it's, 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 it's unclear whether or not his parents are actually dead, that is what he's been told. As far as Silas knows, his parents are dead. Yeah, definitely, as far as, he's not, like, actively looking for them or anything like that. No, he, he, actually, Silas resents his parents, but that's, that's a whole other thing. Um... Silas is from the land of Varash, which is basically um, spooky, scary land, but also very cold land. Um, Yeah, it's like gothic horror hell. Um, It's like if you imagine Innistrad from Magic the Gathering, except it snows a lot, and also, you know how in Innistrad nothing good ever happens, except sometimes it does? That, except without the sometimes it does. So um, Silas initially was uh, a, a child with his parents, which I guess lived kind of normally, but then a hag was like, hey, let's give him chaos magic. And Silas promptly started doing things, and his parents were like, oh no, our child is a changeling now. Because Silas was just reacting to things differently because he had this magic now. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, four, what do you want from me? And they're like, oh, they just like kind of gave him to an orphanage, or they exploded, and now he's at an orphanage, so we don't really know which one. Silas believes the first one, I think the second one is actually what happened. But, um... It seems more likely. Yeah. But, um... And at the orphanage, his, like, magic was kind of low-key until a couple instances where, like, he found out, and then, like, the lord took him, and the the lord of the land, because at that point, um, Vrash was very much a kind of, like medieval fiefdom almost they had a king but every lord kind of like had their own plot of land well no because this, this is the thing right is that like i want to talk a little bit about this later like when when you've like explained more of the story but like silas and other characters have done this as well but like silas quite a lot has shaped the way that certain details of the setting work so from this point i was like okay uh matt wants silas to have been like this weird like jester to a local lord so I'd be like, okay, Varash has like a completely ineffective like constitutional noble system, as well as the crime families that like actually control the country. Yeah. So it's like they they had the king, and under the king, who ostensibly still controls the country, there's the lords who have like regional castles but don't do anything and don't really govern at all. And then under that you have like the orcish noble crime families who actually Controls the land as it is and do yeah. things, and most recently all got turned into vampires. 
Um, so what, what ended up happening was uh, Silas was with his lord. The lord did, like, like, the, like while it was very, very creepy, he, like, that, like, the, the lord's like, this small child, I will take this one and let him be my entertainer. Like, they found out he had magic, and they did this whole, like, kind of gaslighting thing with him, because, like, they didn't want the crime families to realize that they had, like, a little mage running around. So, like, eventually, Silas's magic... He rolled badly on the chaos magic table and exploded, killing the lord and most of the people there, too, because, as, like, mechanically-wise, a fireball is very deadly, because mm-hmm. AD6 hurts a lot when you have 12 hit points. Um, Absolutely. So, Silas managed to... Like, Silas somehow managed to survive this, but, um, and he was shipped to jail, which was, at the time, apparently, this anti, like, this, this, like, jail that, like, made magic difficult, and for a sorcerer like Silas, who, like, his, like, literally his blood is magical, it basically made him feel like he had stage two leukemia, and he was awful, but, which is why he was just so ready to get out of there. And all this was at a very, like, kind of formative age, so, like, he's like, what the hell is going on? Just get me out of here, please. And, yeah, that was, and then that was where the rest of the, 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 um, the uh, characters found him, which was in, in jail, and then they just, they all busted out together, and then the adventure began, because we freed uh, Sigrid, yeah, the rebel leader, and we all just kind of escaped to um, Isle of Bells. But um, at the time, Silas, I played Silas as just, Kind of loopy, but didn't quite understand what was going on outside of Varash, because that was all he knew. And I'm like, I'm sure there are like some listeners who'd be like, hey, you said that he didn't really have a lot of backstory. That seemed like Matt was talking for a long time. And it's like, well, A, he's like fleshing out the story now that there are like details that we know. Also, B, notice how he like comes into the prison with no prior attachments. Like everybody he previously interacted with is dead. Yeah. That, which um, is kind of the point, is that it's it's only forward from here. Maxi, by comparison, in the arc that you're about to go into, has a massive number of connections. Yeah, I, I heard that um I heard that she was literally gonna be like Belle in Beauty and the Beast and have like everyone know her. Well, it's like there's like a whole load of people who would have known her as a kid. Yeah. Um and this is like the the thing that you're going into, like the event is like a thing that's been going on for so long and that that like she that Zell knows um happens. It's one of one of her favorite times of year and like her parents love it as well. And it's it's uh there's definitely gonna be a lot of like exploration of, of, of Zell as a character in this arc. Which is not to say that we don't do that for characters like Silas and but I'm getting out of order. Yeah. One thing that I really like loved um, that I saw you like uh, do with with Silas is both Fallon and I noticed that it's easy to read Silas as autistic because he like has this um, kind of indignant view of the world around him and the way that it's supposed to work, and he finds a lot of kindred spirits in beings that like make it their business to buck the normal trends of of how the world is supposed to operate. One of um, Silas's defining traits is that he. Uh is a mostly a sorcerer but he has like a single level of paladin and he is a paladin of specifically Vesasark, the goddess of chaos and um a concept he was introduced to the first time you guys went to tarn yeah the first time we went to tarn and um he was just ecstatic because he didn't have a word for the way he felt and he, he like he couldn't really put a um like a solid like label to what he wanted and what he what he 
believed the world should be like. And um, turns out when he like talked to the priests of Vesasark, he's like, oh, this is what I want. Also, Vesasark is like aesthetics wise a um, costly well, I mean, surrounded yeah, like, like, by like, like a like riot of color and like often mm-hmm. mutations and Silas aesthetic wise stems by looking at and perceiving and often creating uh, riots of color. Like he, he he does not like to color in lines and he doesn't like to like. He, he he resents any kind of rule or law that limits what he wants to do. Yeah, he, he definitely abhors, like, stricture. Which is, um, like, funny, because, like, from, like, from a certain point of view, I understand, like, kind of his view is that, like, I, like, he's realized how powerful he is as a sorcerer, like, just by, by virtue of being a sorcerer, I suppose, who's someone who cannot cast spells, and he's like, like, why should your rules apply to me in any way? I don't really want them to. And mm. then he realizes, like, oh, there's actually nothing you can do to stop me except for fight me, which I'm very good at fighting, and that's it. So, like, if you are powerful enough to make me obey you, well, okay, you win. But if you're not, then there's no reason to, for me to. So he kind of has, like, the this, like, it's almost like Star Wars Sith aesthetic of, like, the strong should rule and then, like, everyone else has to obey them. But at the same time, he wants nothing to do with any kind of rule whatsoever. And um, he didn't, again, he didn't really have a, a word for what he wanted. And then he, like, looked at Vestasar. He's like, oh, that. Which, yeah. like, is really funny because um, ever since he did, he's been trying to impress Vestasar and, like, trying to, like, get her to notice him. And, like, the most he's ever gotten was kind of, like, just, like, left on red. Like, th- that's the most he's ever gotten. Well, I mean, like, her answer to his prayer, I literally cribbed from the Wikipedia article for the non-committal answer that you get from a Magic 8-Ball. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. But, um... Which is, like, to be fair, is I feel I absolutely dig, like, Silas just, like, his praying just by shaking Magic 8-Ball and seeing what it is. Um, I think there'll definitely, like, be more interaction with Vesasak as... Well, especially like, as we get to power. Tarn, which is, like has an actual temple to her. It's true. Um, but I think, like, once you started, like, leaning into um, that, when, when you were like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll lean into this idea of, like, Silas as autistic. Because um, I was mentioning that, like, uh, all, all of the characters, obviously, but, like, Silas in particular have, like, shaped aspects of the setting. So, obviously, it was easier to do, like... Uh, I suppose in Bioware fandom we'd call them loyalty missions for like um, characters with established backstories. Um, but when it came time to do one for Silas, um, you folks had just been blasted into the astral plane by uh, the uh, sort of like secondary villain of, of the campaign. Yeah. Who uh, who wants? Who he basically like noticed that the primary villain was following you, and it was like great if she follows them she won't, like, pay attention to what I'm doing, which she will not like. So I want these kids to just go and, like, run away from her and she will follow them. Be be not near me. And then, like, they keep trying to find him. They try and find Mercius, and he's like, fuck off. That's This is the opposite of what I wanted. And so he, like, blasts them into the astral plane, and they find passage into the Feywild. And 
I was like, okay, so there's like two things we want to achieve, achieve here. I want to do like uh, uh, an arc in the Feywild and like have fun with the Feywild. I also want Silas to find the hag who like gave him his powers. I have to admit, like, I love how you did it too. Like, um, I love how you, uh, I love, I love how like you had Silas's um, hag mom basically just be so quiet and dignified and like. So, so like, here's the here's the thing, right? I was I was I was saying because I keep getting to this point of like Silas has affected the world. So when you were like, okay, I'm gonna come down like on the canon side of Silas's autistic. I'm like, okay, I don't want like fae touched characters to be changelings then because that you know there's like um yeah the, the theory that like the the concept of like fairy changelings comes from um like medieval parents watching like, autistic children yeah they're like oh like this like this ordinary child suddenly went crazy you're like no yeah no, and that's it's like no just how this just, works just, yeah that's just that your child is is growing up that's and it's just manifesting their behavior in ways you don't expect so i was like okay i don't i don't want them to actually be changelings i want it to be clear that like silas and all of the other fate touched are the actual children that they started as but they've been like modified by like to be honest it it's it's less that like that their behavior has been altered it's more like like they've been they've been given mutant powers and that's just basically it well this it, is the thing i i wanted it to be like fey touched are more likely to be autistic but we don't know whether that's because the fey like touching autistic children more or whether it's like there's some sort of correlation between the two well, like, and... the first thing I wanted to make sure of when, like, I decided that, like, mm, yeah, you know what, Silas is going to be autistic, because that just fits everything I, like, I've been giving him so far. So I wanted to make sure that, like, the fact that he was autistic was completely separate from, like, like his other abnormal behavior and from his, like, powers. That, like, those were a separate issue. He was just born this way, then given powers. That's a very sensible idea and also a very gracious one that I thank you for, um, well, like, like, from a yeah, character perspective. Because I think definitely there would have been, if you decided to make those connected, there would have been the potential for that to like veer into like kind of gross territory that neither I nor Fallon would have thanked you for. Like, but... granted, like granted, the powers did don't help his autism. Like, they're certainly like they are certainly not helping him, but like. But that's by like by virtue of just having a additional hurdle to go through. Hmm. Yeah. Well, th this is the thing, right? He, he's he's like it. it I think it, it was like, not even that I I wanted that to be like a thing. I was like, it's cool that Matt is playing Silas as autistic, and also because of like comments that you know actually autistic members of the group have made about the way that he plays Silas normally. I don't want that to be like stemming from the fact that he like derives his sorcerer's powers from being like this child who was touched by fairies. Like, um, which is why I'm like, well, because the decision to make him uh, autistic was like completely separate, and before we even knew that his like, like I had a vague idea that his powers came from the fae, but like, yeah, I think like the first the first time you heard of that was. Um... Was at was actually at the Isle of Bells, right? Yeah, that's 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 when that's when you found out that it was the Fae. And he's like, oh, and well, then, I'm connected to them somewhere. It, it was it was way later when you found out that it was a hag because I think yeah. um, Merrin, Merrin, yeah, Mer Mer Merrin the Sea Witch was like, I think it was a hag who did this to you. 
and that was like the first inkling that you get. So um, there were a lot of fun things to do with the with the Feywild, and I think I may have talked about some of them on the show before. Uh, but basically, I wanted my Feywild to be distinct from the Feywild that Beth had already displayed in Two Earth, which was this very, um, I want to say, psychosexual experience, but in a in a way that like is sort of like it wasn't gross. No, not really. And at times when it was, it wasn't, like, indulgently gross. It was like, no, this is supposed to be gross. Yeah. Which, like, which is which is important thing. Like, yeah. it's fine to have, like, grossness in your game, so long as you, like, don't try to play it off as, like, no, this is actually okay. Like, no, this is gross. This is supposed to be gross. And, like, like that's just yeah. what happens. Yeah, so... I think, like, it's it's the kind of, like, psychosexual Feywild that you'd expect to see in, like, Shakespeare and, like, Irish folktales. Honestly? Honestly, it did feel, like, exactly like every single Gaelic myth I've ever heard ever. And, like, yeah. it's exactly but what the, I expected. Uh, the, like, the, the Fey folk are, like, partying all the time, and she had, like, the different seasonal courts and stuff like that. And I was like, this is really cool. I don't want my Feywild to just be that. Yeah, your your Feywild feels a lot more like um, White Wolf's Feywild, actually, of like uh, of like the the Changeling, the Lost kind of Feywild, where it's like I've actually never played Changeling, the Lost, so I don't know what their like Fairyland is is like. Well, to be fair, their Fairyland is very much like um, is very much built on concepts rather than like. Basically, their their fairyland is made off of made of stories, and like everything has to have a story to it, and it's it's very strange and very psychedelic, and not explained because the players are never supposed to be there, which right. I mean is fine. So like, which is why yours is yours feels less like um, less whimsical than like uh, than than yeah. Except was. also like the way I I. I templated it was that it, it's supposed to like feel like a dream yeah and dreams so are not are, always fun so there are like some aspects like for instance the the um the bramble which is there like yeah, i love the bramble so like the, the way i wanted the feywild to work is in in the uh dungeon master's guide and they've done this for like a couple of editions they have this idea that the feywilds and the shadowfell are both like reflections of the material plane and so it's like they're sort of like warped versions of stuff that you might like which is great for like alternate universe fiction like uh i read I read like a lot of ya lit that like imagines a different adjacent london for instance and it's like for dimensions that's a really cool idea that makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever it's like what happens if on the material plane they like build a new city does like do like Actually, new cities like um... appear on the shadowfell and the feywild Actually, uh, the way they explain this is that um, uh, the Feywild is based on if the humans were never, if like if sentient races were never there. So it's like this like primal wild place, where it's like like the void of the Shadowfell is like it's like it's supposed to be like the like the the reflection of when entropy has basically taken away everything. It's just this big ruined place that no one really likes. Right, but I didn't like that because I'm like that makes the Feywild a like reflection on, on like a, a reflection on the material plane which canonically in the setting makes no sense because the Feywild as as a like a place is older than the material plane and is 
like the way thaumaturgy, the way like the non-old magic works that like sorcerers and bards and wizards and whatever get all their their magic from is that it's like endemic to the material plane because it spills over from the divine planes and from uh the feywild and the shadowfell into so it would be like so the first thing i was i was like is that in the feywild you um what was the exact ruling that i gave on how magic was different um I, i'm seeing i'm seeing if i can like look it up oh was that like um every single time roll for the wild magic table like roll no, the seat it, it, you did the magic table it was like everybody is a wild magic sorcerer so whenever you yeah. like, whenever you like cast a spell of cantrip level or higher you roll a d20 and if you roll a one right yeah if you roll a one then, then like roll on the table but also like you get more spell slots or you regain your spell slots on a short rest or something like that yeah you like it was like yeah no it was like you gain it on a short rest because you would just like be taking in the magic much faster much longer the idea being that, like, imagine, imagine how easy and yet how out of control igniting like a match is in like an environment that is like costly, like it is like pure propane, for instance. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like you're never gonna have this problem of like getting fuel, but also like you light a match and just the whole thing blows up. But um. Like I, I actually really loved the um, how uh, like it was. It's really easy just for me to say like, oh, Silas just acts like a fae, but he doesn't. Like the fae, the fae, it made the fae seem very alien, which I really liked. Oh yeah. Um, so like other other things, other other ways that the the, the fae wild works is I actually like did away with the concept of the fae wild having Cartesian three dimensional space to begin well it does because it has like three spatial dimensions that you can move through whilst traveling forward through the fourth dimension although it doesn't match up exactly with the one on the uh, the material plane so like time was paused while they were there but places move around a lot so what they have is this system called the bramble which is imagine flu powder from harry potter except but it murders you yeah, imagine like flu powder, except Harry Potter like burns to death in the, in the Weasley's fireplace and is then reconstituted out of ash at the other end. Like the bramble just like smashes your body to pieces and then you just like grow out of a tree at the other end of your. Uh, and people use the bramble because otherwise they're like, I have no idea where I'm going because everywhere keeps moving around. Yeah, it's a. Th- and then there's like hags who in the Feywild are Fey witches because I like the idea that like hags only look like hags in the material plane because they don't have access to like the overflowing magic of the feywild so they look like you know creepy old women in the material plane but in the feywild they look like um like edina menzel i mean i'm trying to think of like like um older women but not like yeah like 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 just just middle-aged uh generally well, like um and, and they have in, in... like weird deformities yeah in like in witchcraft, there's this um, uh, the rule of three, which is maiden, mother, crone, and um, so right. like they're 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 in the ma- they're in the mother stage, and right? Like, yes. Uh, yes. And exactly. then like when they go to the material plane, they're crones. Yeah. Which exactly. I'm, I'm actually I actually super dig that. Like that's really cool. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, 
and they like tended to come in through but they all had like these weird um deformities like for instance i'm trying to think of like one was like Irish, a right? heart-shaped head and like oh yeah she had a heart-shaped head because like from her nose upwards she had like two like two tops of her head yeah like like one that went to the left and one that went to the right so she had like four eyes in total and like two scalps which like became this this heart-shaped head and they were all i was like the Feywild is aggressively irish as a concept like a lot yeah. of the like um you know myths and stuff of it come from ireland so everybody here has an irish name and speaks with an irish accent yeah which was fun to do like on the sessions where i could actually do it other times maybe not so much but it was that you met um was it uh Aoife the the like satyr and then yeah. there was even dorveen and vidra Ma- or something like that no no mave mave yeah, because they it, all had the was, Eve sound. Yeah, but specifically the BH um, yeah. Eve sound. I think no, not the BH, which is not as as um, which is not as as popular as like other ways of making the same sound. Um, but that was that was their 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 like root. And they, I guess, fast forward because like the point is we're supposed to be talking about like Matt and Matt's characters rather than me talking about the Feywild. But um, eventually, when um, uh, when Silas like eventually. Is put on the trail of his ha- of his like ha- of the hag that cur- that like like touched him, yeah. And yeah. like he gets there, and the way you like built this up is exactly like meeting a Dark Souls character, actually. Right. So um, I already had like an image in my head of what Siobhan looks like, and my idea for Siobhan is she's like um, this giant, like ten foot tall. Um, woman in a shawl and then like down her front she just has like hundreds of pairs of human arms like i don't even think she has legs i think she's like a sort of there's more arm arm centipede type thing yeah um but as as a design i love that but i but i think it was because i'd been like playing through dark souls like on and off stream at the time and i'm like this is a really really like dark souls ass idea (laughs) and i think because i'd also got it into my head that she would like speak like very slowly and quietly and calmly a lot like blue diamond from steven universe yeah um i told you when you meet like silas's like fey mom she's gonna be like a dark souls character and then like when she first turned up you were like yeah, you said she was going to be a Dark Souls character. I didn't realize you meant a Dark Souls boss. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. But like, I, I liked, I liked the idea of Siobhan being like super chill and like caring for Silas a lot, just because so many bad things happen to Silas. Well, like, what's funny is that like a lot of bad things happen to Silas, but he just will not ever acknowledge them ever. Well, this is, like, the major, like, we talked about this, like, a a year ago, that the major difference between Silas and Harrow is that, like, both of them do stupid things, but Harrow constantly faces consequences for his actions, whereas Silas never faces consequences for his actions. But, like, what's what's funny is that, like, um, the idea of someone caring for him unconditionally is so utterly alien to Silas that he's just like, Mm. this does not compute, what are you doing? Um, or at the same time, like, um, he's really, like, really grateful and happy that his, um, that his fey mom exists until she goes like, oh, hey, the person Silas admires and, like, holds as, like, like, this is what society, like, wants to have happen is, like, oh, 
by the way, if Silas ever gets gets severely hurt or dies, we have a random chance to explode. Yeah, Silas was not happy about it. So, like, um, Siobhan gave everybody, like, a gift. Like, everybody in, in Silas's group, just for, like, being, like, friends with her weird, like, mortal godson. Um, and the gift that she gave to Zell was that when you all got, like, cast into the astral plane, um, Venatus, who is a character from, like, Zell's extensive, Her backstory. extensive backstory, yeah, um, was with you, and Maxie had been making Zell, like, brood constantly about this, because it's like, Venatus didn't come with you into the astral plane, so presumably he was still, like, being tortured in a bubble of old magic that him being an elf would probably kill him. And so she was like, she got a vision from Ranred that showed that, like, time was stopped while they were in the Feywild, and then Siobhan just, like, reaches into this, like, scrying pool and pulls Venatus out of it. And is like, well, that's your gift, but if you want to make, like, a Fey Pact, which is... Because I wanted to get, like, a Fey Pact in at some point, because, like, in all of these myths about the Fey, it's like, oh, and they also, they make, like, tricksy deals with mortals. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, but on the other hand, I don't want this to be like the normal mythical kind of fey pact, which is kind of like a monkey's paw situation, because like as players, you know that trope, so you you would not like fall into it. So I made it that like Siobhan promises to heal Venatus, uh, like heal all the damage that being in like a bubble of old magic did to him, which like, you know, gave him this like horrendous like skin complaint and nearly killed him, as well as healing uh, I don't know if Ezel actually realized that this was part of the deal, but healing the damage that um, that Caius the Lich did to him, where he, like, yeah. um, fucked up his shoulder and basically gave him scoliosis. Um, but in return, Zell has to, like, watch Silas, who Siobhan really, really cares for, and, like, keep him out of danger. Well, not even keep him out of danger, but make sure he's okay. And Silas, Which... is, Silas is like... A, don't make fey pacts, and B, don't make fey pacts when the condition is something that you don't have control over, I might randomly explode one day. Well, the thing is that, like, Silas himself can't control it either, and no. also, coming from Varash, Silas like, do not make pacts with fey, do not make pacts with fey, my god, my god, don't make pacts with fey. Except... Presumably Silas also has, like, some amount of exposure to the Kirk, who are like, at some point you're going to have to enter into an agreement with some being of great power. It might be a demon or a fae or a god or something to keep you safe. Yeah, to be fair, uh, that's because Silas feels like he's made a pact with Bessasar. So he's like, okay, and so far Bessasar has asked. Yeah, and also he would know that, like, Zell has made a pact with, with Ranaret because Zell is literally a paladin. So the idea of, like, entering into such a pact for somebody else's protection. Keep, like, the other characters have, like, voiced their opinions of Silas to him multiple times, and he usually laughs them off, but, like, he does take those opinions to heart. Like, um, like, so, like, when people go, like... I think the consensus is we all love Silas, but he makes bad decisions a lot of the time. Yeah, but, like, um, when people, like, when people call him crazy, he goes, like, well, I'm crazy, so I don't have to, like, think about my actions, I'm just crazy, and we're like, no, Silas, that's not how that works. No. Also, like, have some, like, agency to yourself, like... I, th I think, like, like quite a lot of Silas's story has been about agency. Like, some of some of it's about identity, but, like, I think a lot of it is about, like, Silas claiming the agency that he, like, never had. 
Yeah, like, which is why he's making the decisions that he does. He just worships Vess's Ark with literally every action he does. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I've so far now, whenever we've left a city, Silas has done a little art project, and um, he, uh, like, he's we we started in the Elven Empire and continued with, by doing so in um, in the desert place. I oh, uh, relent. Yeah. All right, so what's the, I, I presume that you were talking about the masks, but everything is, is this is something else. No, this is the graffiti he does. Oh, right, yeah. That's... Yeah, like, the graffiti that don't actually make sense, but at the same time, like, are actual, like, anarchic views, but, um... But, like, weirdly, like, undirected. Yeah, because, well, because Silas is, is Silas is, like... Opposed to the very idea of law itself, as opposed I think he's to kind like, of opposed to like specific... all hierarchies. To be honest, yeah, he's like no, absolutely not. Um... Like even because this is the thing about um, when you become a paladin, you have to like swear an oath, and o- your 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 oath so is good. Like, a big part of the paladin in, in the player's handbook, as as written. Vesasark's oath ends with you like swearing never to bind yourself to like. Uh, like um, oaths or contracts to other beings, and then right at the end, you like denounce the oath that you just took, because <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is which really is... sort of like a a a um, a pledge of intent rather than any sort of binding like agreement. Because Vesasar which is why, like, when um, which is like, which is funny because like Silas is just constantly uh, I want to destroy this. If this isn't okay. Or at the very least, like, shitster <laughs> here. Yeah. That and, like, Silas uh, does try to stir up chaos and change wherever he goes, but it's, like, it's not out of, like, some, like, um, supervillain-esque things, like, I want to spread chaos to the world. It's more like, I feel like this is how things should be, and people will be happier. Human beings require structure in their lives, that's just how we are have evolved as a species. And Silas, Silas is like, like I'm not going to get rid of all of it. I'm just going to like put <laughs> some like, weird like anarchist graffiti on this wall. Well, going to like stir the pot a bit. Through the magic of risk analysis, he's learned that he's like attempting to murder the god king will be bad, so I should not do that. Mm. Like he wanted to do so simply because he's like God King? God King? What is this nonsense? Get this out of here. I mean, but like, um, being that the God Monarchs are like actual, like, superpowered beings, he probably would not have succeeded. But definitely, I believe he, he expressed, like, an intent to try something like that. And, and other characters were like, please yeah. don't. Yeah. But, um, Silas does have his, like, special interest in masks, which, uh, I I like I started off initially just because like I thought it would be cool, but it's like it actually ends up being a core part of his character and that like Silas compartmentalizes a lot of his personality into like this is like like making a mask that represents parts of him. Mm-hmm. And um I had some like great fun with that in the Feywild where it could be like weird magic shit can just happen. And we had this scene where like Silas gets out like a bunch of his masks representing like different aspects of his personality and then they just sort of like hover and and like communicate with him as he has this sort of like introspective moment about whether he's upset Zell. I think and that's like, what um, that was about anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like I I love that like Silas and for the most part 
Blake, when he comes to, like, trying to interact with another person, he will absolutely be introspective. He's surprisingly thoughtful at times, which is, like, there was this moment after um, Silas, he kills a ton of guards, they all pile on him, he thunder waves again and murders them all, and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, uh, they were not expecting them to, well, to I mean, happen, because neither the guards nor I, as the DM, knew that Silas, like, had a feature where, because, like, they pile on him in, like, a, like, a, not even a rugby scrum, like... I don't even know like a sport where you would pile on like this. Um, but like it was actually, it's actually more like just like what a police maneuver. Yeah, basically. And then like one of them, like closest to the bottom of the pile, just like claps a hand over his mouth and like pins his arms. And Silas is like, "Ha ha! I don't need either of those things to cast a spell. So I'm gonna cast Thunder Wave and make you all like fly away." Well, well, it's because well, um, this is why I love the meta magic things in this thing. Meta magic is really good. Well. There's a reason it's the sorcerers, like, own, like besides their, like, blood abilities, like, they're so in tune with their magic, as opposed mm. to, like, someone who had to learn it or gain it from an eldritch being, whereas, like, he's like, I'm just a magic person, I can just do this. Yeah. But, um, so, Zell used, first of all, the ring that Zell had is apparently powerfully lawful, and when Silas picked up, it was as if Gandalf had picked up the one ring, and he's like, no, do not touch me! And Silas's like, well, okay then. Um, uh, specifically, Essa's ring, because I presume you're talking about Essa's ring, right? Um, yes. Essa's ring yes. does not like chaotic people. <laughs> so so no. that's why it, it, it hated Silas, and it hated Jay, and it hated Mary. I think it went around everyone until it got to Zell, who is not lawful, but is at least like neutral good. And it was like, I, this is yeah. probably the best I'm going to get. And just like fused itself to Zell's finger. And then like she... Mm. Which is like this eight level spell that's like right yeah because the way that the spell and, works uh, is that it belonged to Essa the Enchantress who's like this like human folk hero and you like but, uh, fuse like yeah, it, like you know Dragon Ball Z or even Steven Universe style with the spirit of Essa and turn into this like eighteenth level um like spellcaster and you just bang yeah the way you go so what ends up happening is that um. Zell is just conked out, like, she's just done on the ground. And, like, Zell, and, like, Marion and Jay, like, start smoking weed. Oh, yeah. And, like, and then Silas is like, she's unconscious and she just saved our lives. I'm going to put her in the recovery position and make sure that she doesn't, like, swallow her tongue or something. Because, like, si Silas is oddly thoughtful at times. Well, I mean, like, Be like well, because, has... like, he's not... This is the thing, like, Silas is a very like, chaotic he's... being, but he cares about people to a certain extent. Well, he cares about four, like, three or four people. Like, he has a limit to how many people he can care about at one time. Um, this is just something he opposes on himself, because he's like, this is too many people, like, I'll never be able to help yeah. them all, so, like, I'll limit myself Definitely, to like, Silas's uh, uh, limited, like, outwardly expressed um, concern for other people or things was a big problem for uh, Restorex, the Deep Dragon, who is yeah. like a tertiary villain who's like really annoyed that like the party keep fucking up his plans. So in uh, in Urbic Navali, he was like, I'll possess um, Jay's half-sister Octavia and turn her into this like criminal mastermind at, all as like a way of setting up my revenge on this group of people and it was like i think marion uh he blew up her yeah he her blew ship up her blew boat up. and jay i can't remember what he did to jay oh uh, jay obviously was like, he heard... it was like i i've turned your your sister into this like evil being against her will 
like yeah, evil, criminal. evil criminal. And Silas, he was like, what the fuck do I do? And so eventually he was like, okay, I'll have Octavia cut off one of his ears because he likes to wear masks, I guess. And then he won't be able to anymore because he doesn't have like a thing to strap them to. <laughs> Which was like the best he could come up with. It was not good. <laughs> does like he he initially felt like he was going to go chaotic evil eventually just because he just gave so few shits about the lives mm. of other people but, like he's slowly like gaining appreciation for things and he he honestly does believe his like anarchic like message is actually good for people mm. so like he's he believes that like oh if you live under like the rule of law then like i have to come help you I mean, there's like, two entire, like, religious institutions devoted to Silas's goddess who also believe that. He's not alone in that conviction. Yeah, like, um, and I do kind of want him to meet them again and just, like, turn to, um, just, like, return to the, the, the temple of Vesasar and just go, like, look at all the things I've done! And, like... But I think that was when Silas first uh, found out about the thing where devotees of Vesasark start mutating like they gain weird mutations especially when injured like they heal back in weird ways and like which is why like silas now has this like vaguely masochistic thing going where like he doesn't really mind getting hurt because he knows something cool happens yeah. afterward so like he's he's less inclined to like be sad if he gets like injured in any way or like attempt to stop it because he's like like he well he'll attempt to do it because he doesn't like pain but he's like well okay I'm injured I guess that's not so bad because like now I have this like cool things gonna happen especially because like um he like uh he like he like like I, lo I love the the kind of aesthetic we're going is like this like feathered serpent like because he's got like scales and feathers and, like, well it's like a random thing each time right so i think he's got like feathers growing out of his like cheekbones and like a patch of scales somewhere yeah. and he's got like two patches of scales and now like eyeballs oh coming yeah out of his that shoulder. one's really gross actually i don't like thinking about that one but it's kind of a it, it's a cool like thing yeah like and now like he's got like a tattoo up his left arm with like tattoo of mm. like eyes and like a uh, a deep like what what I what I think is really fun and enjoyable to play Silas is that like he like he does morally questionable things, but at the same time he means well and is trying to do what he believes is the right thing. So he feels less of like the Joker and kind of more like mm. Harley Quinn. I could talk about like Silas for ages, to be honest, but uh, but you 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 do play other characters, and we should maybe like talk about them. Um, so in Beth's game, uh, you initially... Do you want to, like, briefly talk about uh, What's-His-Face, the uh, the failure? Darius, right. What I was going to have to do is I was going to try out playing a warlock. And um, the 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 uh, and the whole point of Darius is that, like, he had made a pact with this, like, snake lady in order to gain magic because he was from the family of mages and he just was shit in magic right. and he couldn't do anything. So he wanted magic. He wanted to... So that he could, like best sister and be like the ruler of the family all the time and he had a purely selfish reason for doing things and he was just kind of a bad person as i found out warlocks suck ass in uh, in fifth edition at least they didn't have enough like little things that like in fifth edition there's there's there wasn't enough unique things to do but like like the invocations were cool but they were too little, too like too late. Oftentimes, because the only cool ones you have so little spells to do. But like they balance it out with like you're supposed to like gain all your spell slots back 
at a short rest. The problem is short rests take an hour in game or like it depends on your, on it's your just, DMs. Like the problem think, is, is um, that yeah, the thing is that you will run out of you will run out of spell slots in the middle of a fight and then just be useless. I don't know that we need to like um, like talk extensively about warlocks because we did actually do like a class study episode on the warlock and there's like Beth and I go through all of the invocations talking about which ones suck ass and which ones are actually kind of good and the like pros and cons of giving the warlock the most powerful cantrip in the entire game. Well, the, like the new uh, the new warlock things are really cool and really creative and are super good. Oh wait, did they do UA for the warlock? Oh yeah, they have like five. Oh cool. I I knew they did one for the ranger, but I didn't actually know that there was one for the warlock. I should probably check that out. Well, one of the ones that I'm currently playing is uh, the one with a sword, and it's actually like super good. Because, like, it's focused in that, like, it's a dueling thing. Like, you curse one opponent, and then they're just done. But, like, it has this, like, cool, like, Raven Queen, like, spooky, like, fey flavor to it. It's just, it's it's clear that, like, the UA, like, the, um, I don't know if they're kind of warlocks, are trying to move away from the Pact with the Devil kind of thing, and into, like, Pact with just beings in general, and yeah. then just do things. Whereas, like, um... It was like, initially I was packed the Fiend, and Darius was just awful. And Darius, like, I, I talked to Beth about it, and, like, there wasn't really a way to, like, actually make Darius playable. And also, like, he was just not fun as a character, because I couldn't really do much to make him unique, and I like making unique characters. But, um, eventually he dies from a Helmed Horror yeah. just murdering him. Which is funny, because a Helmed Horror yeah. is actually, like, was just a strict answer to him, because he was immune to both fire and force. And that was his only damaging spells, so technically it just hard answered him and just murdered him. Yes, alright, so the reason for bringing up Darius is to point out that, like, Matt's current character in Beth's game did not, like, start no, the, not. Uh, the campaign with us. But, um... Uh... Uh, but like, let's talk about Harrow, who I think is actually like, a much more interesting character than Darius. Oh yeah, way more. Um, Harrow is a lawyer-slash-law like clerk, and, like, um... And he's a wizard, specifically an evocation-based one. And so they're like, he's particularly good at, at, like, blowing things up. Let's, like, use him as that. I do like that this implies that, like, Harrow takes the, like, CSI school of law enforcement yeah, part. Where he, he absolutely like, does. all branches <laughs> of law enforcement as needed by the plot. Which is funny, because, like, people do constantly count out that, point out that, like... Harrow, like, this isn't your jurisdiction, you can't actually do this. And I was like, ah, no, the law needs to... We need to catch the guy first, and then we put him in court, and then you come in and do your thing. Well, like, uh, Harrow, like, Harrow does have a degree in, like, police work, so he can potentially do that, but, like, what his, his, his actual job is to be a lawyer. How did we meet him? I remember there was a Zone of Truth involved. You were needed because you could cast Zone of Truth, and then Harrow was, like, the, uh... Harrow was the lawyer that was doing it, and then you needed him again because of, like, a hag problem mm. that, like, we needed to talk mm. about. And then, like, the fa Harrow became blind because his his fire magic, and his magic ended up being too powerful for him to control, and he blew out his eyes. Like, they are currently just, like, this red, like, reddened mess with, like, burnt flesh kind of around them. Like, they've gotten better. Like, they've gotten better over time. No, they haven't. You, 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 like, mentioned that, like, part of the reason why, even two years in, you do a lot of um, light-hearted uh, blind jokes with 
No, as in like appearance wise. Oh yeah, okay, but they, they, that's got better. Like, like a like they're not gross and like oozing anymore, but they are still very like red and not. Happy. But it's like Harrow was partially sighted for a while, which is why for him because he's like, I know I'm going to be blind, and there's like no way for me to like actually mm. stop it. Yeah, not it's... like heals you fucking blue your like, eyes out. You like idiot. not not like you don't have eyes right now. Well, like, you have eyes, but they're, like, burnt mess, so you can't really actually touch them. So, like, that doesn't help. And he knew his eyes were going to go eventually, and, like, he was in kind of denial. He was, like, hoping it would get better, and then, like, he woke up one day, and he was completely blind. And, like, he was just... He had a bit of a Darth Vader moment of just, like, shit, I'm blind, now I'm, like, really angry. And they just blew up... He was, like, thunder waves and blows up his room, but, um... His mom just kind of walks by, like, just grow up and get to work, and just kind of slams the door. Yeah, his mom's horrible... But, um, he, uh, like, he, he eventually, like, goes back to work. He, like, he's learned Braille. He's learned, like, to, like, kind of, like, be able to be aware of his surroundings, but still not, like, com he's, not, he's not able to go, the Force is with me and I am one of the Force and just kind of fight off stormtroopers. But, like, um... So, I... I don't... I'm, I'm sure, because... Uh, there's there's gonna be like somebody listening to this uh, this podcast who's like a lawyer who's blind, but had and I I I've only just realized that myself. I don't actually know like how how much of an influence um, Daredevil is on Harrow as a character, if if any. Actually, like he doesn't have superhuman vision or or like or like senses. He'd actually be uh, objecting to Daredevil's ways in that like. Vigil he doesn't believe in vigilante justice, ironically, considering he was just part of vigilante justice. But, um, well, initially, he was just like, no, vigilante justice doesn't work. You have to do everything by the book because that's how law works. And, like, he believes that law is important. But, um, mm -hmm. upon meeting the other characters, upon going through adventures with them, and upon, like, seeing, like, how, like, the law is often abused. He's grown from lawful neutral to lawful good, and he's like, okay, yeah, vigilante justice is okay, but, like, you Sometimes. Have, yeah, but, but, like, in certain circumstances, it's a case-by-case -case basis. It's almost as if, like, human, like, like, it's almost as if humans are flawed, and therefore, like, the law can be abused. So, like, he would prefer it if it doesn't, but that's just sometimes <laughs> happens. You have to deal with it. But, um, currently, Harrow is just doing his best to try to help everybody... Which is not good, because uh, Harrow's wants to help everyone, and it's very difficult because, like, helping everyone often means helping no one, because, no, like, reaching a compromise is very difficult. Like, it's, like, it's been, like, Beth has actually said that she, she loves that, like, uh, Harrow cares so much about, like, everything, which means it's really easy to motivate him to do things. Like, um, mm -hmm. whereas, like, Silas, like, cares about three people, and then that's, that's just hard stop, we're done. Harrow mm. cares about every single person he meets, and therefore, like, isn't personally invested in helping every single person he can. Which, like, is, like, almost, like, um, comically, uh, like, like, it feels, like, very, like, DC Marvel superhero-ish, like, level of thing but like it's also very naive like Har harrow has this naive hope that he like he like mm. can help everybody and justice can prevail when it's like well the real world doesn't work that way so like he has to compromise his unflinching views with how reality works 
it's real funny because like um we were talking about this a little while ago is that like uh harrow is one of the f like i think he's like pretty much the only member of the party in in beth's game who asriel like consistently likes like asriel had a great time being in a wrestling tag team with coslin and occasionally asriel like will team up with with Valanthe to go and do a thing sometimes like asriel will get lumped with Valanthe if they meet like you know racists who don't like nomads or elves or whatever but i feel like the, the way that i justified this I, I, I like for a while i was just like asriel likes harrow the best um because i liked i liked putting like a nicer spin on the like um slapstick that you would do with harrow at the expense of the blind i say at the expect like i don't know that it was ever like mean natured but like at times it especially since he's ostensibly been like partially sighted for two years it felt kind of cruel to like just leave it hanging as a bit so i would start having asriel be like asriel like helps harrow consistently like um being like no this way like come on buddy uh, he Asriel considers Harrow's access needs a lot, and then I was like, "All right, why does Asriel like Harrow when he doesn't seem to care about anybody else?" And I think, like, what I eventually came up with is Asriel believes that Harrow's concern for other people is naive, but ultimately commendable, and he doesn't like how like the rest of the group's bullshit often happens at Harrow's expense. Harrow was given, like, a can of dog food, and he was, like, unaware that it was a can of dog food. And, like, um, he was like, oh, this kind of tastes weird, but I guess it's fine. And just, like, um, and then just, like, and then Azriel was just so bad that someone just gave this guy a do can of dog food. And, like, yeah, Azriel was like, please do not, like, abuse my blind friend. <laughs> What the fuck? Harrow has a lot of internalized ableism to himself, mostly because of his mother. He is, like, worth less than a lot of other people solely because of just the way he was. his mom was just like, like, you can't really get mad. You did this to yourself. So, like, if people, like, act, like, like, people, like, act weirdly about you, you have only yourself to blame. So, like, Harrow kind of internalized that some parts of, like, how he's blind, so he, like, kind of plays it up to, like, make people laugh at him. So that, like, because that's how he views, like, that's how he gets friends, is, like, making people laugh. Yeah. And, um, he, like, he, like a lot of the yeah. times there's, like, if I need help someone getting me to a place, it's more that, like, he just kind of wants someone near him so he can hold their hand, as opposed to, like, actually needing help. But I think, like, definitely, Asriel, Asriel, like, views Harrow as being this, like, unfairly victim. It's weird that, like, a lot of this presumably comes from Harrow's mother, which Asriel doesn't really, like, remember or care about. But he's like, views Harrow as, like, this unfairly victimized, um, comparatively, member of the group. And it will, like, stick up for him a lot of the time. I, I, I really like the thing that, the, that Asriel and Harrow have going on, to be honest. Harrow is good. And I, I, I like that we... Like, we all have, like, interactions with Harrow that, like, work. Yeah, I, I really do love it. Um, I actually personally enjoy the fact that um, Harrow, much more than Silas, has has a lot more, ironically enough, has a lot more agency to him. Yeah, that's kind of weird. It's like the, uh, the, the you know, heavily disabled character has more agency, but, like, he does. Whenever something bad is happening and someone says someone ought to do something, they tend to never, like, follow that through with, and that someone is me. Whereas Harrow is like, if something's going wrong, 
I'm going to try yeah. to do it because I have like this power to do so, and it's my responsibility to try to help. And like he he's very much from the Spider-Man view of like with great power comes great responsibility. So like he's like I have the responsibility to use that power to help others because I believe that like we all got to stick together and help each other in this cruel, cruel world that like mantis people exist in. So he's like, well, like I might as well try. But um. One of the things that actually, like, defines Harrow as a person is that, like, Harrow is very empathetic and loving. Like, he he cares so deeply about all these other people and just wants to help so much. Whereas, like, Silas is just, like, vaguely disgusted with the idea of someone, like, caring that deeply for him with, like, no, like, asking nothing in return. He's like, what are you plotting? Like... Why are you doing this? And it's really funny because, like, on on the surface, like, you can look at these two characters and be like, oh, they they are very similar characters. They're like these like um, lol random comedy characters with like fixations on like fire magic and like a general like being kicked by the universe type thing. Actually, but they're actually like incredibly different. What's funny is that um, Harrow is actually pyrophobic now. I, I mean, he probably has every right to be, to be honest. Like, he has an intense phobia of fire. Like, it's fine if he is casting the spell, because one, he knows that, like, um, he's like, well, I've already burnt my eyes out, there's not a whole lot more it can do to me. But, um, also, that, like, he's learned now that he has the ability to sculpt the spell so he can, like, make sure it doesn't hurt him. But, like, when it's close to him, like, he is, like, just put into a panic mode, because now he can't see the fire, and he's like, oh no, where is it? What what is what was super funny is that like um when Harrow is embarrassed or flustered he uh not only blushes but actually emits steam because of his fire magic he tries not to get super angry unfortunately things have been happening that have made him super angry all of the time like one of the things that like defines Harrow right now is that like he's super angry at like um how such a shit hand of life that has dealt all of his friends of like Coslin just being like put in through this horrible childhood and his horrible experiences, um, as you're having his dead sister just brought back to try to torment him. And like desecrated. And like Valenth being put into like a war that she didn't want to be in. So he's like, Why are all these horrible things happening? Yeah, and like, why is nobody doing anything about it? I should do something about it, because apparently like nobody else is going to. What what he's super mad about is that like when the like the gods talk to him, he's like these people were like were murdered unjustly. What were you doing to stop it? I love the scene that that you did where like non because this is the thing. It's like you know um, Silas has that thing where he like has one level in Paladin. Harrow has no religious connection at all. He just dialed a god. Like, yeah. What even what even is the spell called? It's called contact right. other plane. So he just like dialed into a divine plane and uh, and and. Oh, what, what what was what was the uh, the the god who he contacted? The, like the god of knowledge, the centipede guy. Um, and like I thought it was funny is that like um like Harrow believe well he was fine with that god because he's like you're neutral, you have no like like leanings good or evil, so it makes sense that you stay out of things. But this like this lady is turning trying to turn into this horrible mantis and bring back the mantis empire. Like he's like five foot eight or something like that. He's really tiny. Like, why is this small, blind wizard the only one who's just like, Guys, what are you doing? And, like, um... Harrow does kind of feel like his, uh... 
his actions kind of motivate the rest of the party. We need to stop this. Everyone's like, yeah, sure. That's probably a good idea. And like, that's less so now because now like, now the threat has like, like affected everybody. So now everyone's like, yeah, we need to stop this now. But like, um, Harrow just in general is just super, uh, like he's very much into like the social justice thing. But like, the the joke is that like like you can't call him a social justice warrior because right. he's a social yeah, justice a mage. But it's like, but no, he like he he genuinely does care about like achieving like justice justice for like people who have been wronged, and I feel like this is like the thing that the one of the reasons why Azrael likes him is that Azrael thinks that that's like incredibly naive and misguided, but also like commendable that he like makes a genuine effort at trying to realize it as a dream and Azriel thinks it's unfair that he's being punished not only by like the world but by other people for trying well, to the, do the, that. that's that like let's I'll, let me put into that that like um Silas does stupid decisions and he comes out of it with like some minor wounds and then nothing else when Harrow makes a dumb decision like people get hurt he gets severely hurt and he's very, and he's like has to live with the consequences all the well, time. Well, this is the thing as well: is that Azrael like a hundred percent sympathizes with the idea of experiencing like terrible consequences for your poor decisions. Because I mean, who was it who like slept with Maribel in the hope of getting leverage? And as it turned out, she was only pretending to be a fascist, and it doesn't work. It even comes down to like how Harrow and Silas lost their virginity, which was hilarious. Oh, right, yeah. This is. I kind of hate to talk about um, Silas's one like again because I know we've already talked about it on the podcast once, and it was really embarrassing for me because it was only afterwards that I realized that like actually thematically, when you like look at it in in a vacuum, that was not an okay scene to do. He does not take a lot of like agency to himself, but yeah, like. I, I, I... I guess they were both drunk, so it's not like one of them was taking advantage of the other, but still. Yeah, it's not that creepy. Like, 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 granted, one was much older than the other, so she probably should have known better. But, like, whereas, like, Her- way Harrow lost his virginity was, like, both of them were, like, consenting and aware of it. And, like, well, it's because, like, Harrow takes the reins of his own destiny. And that's just how he, like, that's just how he does things. Whereas, like, um... And now, and now Harrow has a thing for Monster Girls. And it turns out that's been thrown at him constantly. Well, so, I mean, um, Harrow and, uh, oh, Christ, I've forgotten her name. Willow. Willow, right, Willow the, uh, I want to say Dryad? Are they, like, still a thing? Because, like, Willow is just sort of hanging around on the material plane at the moment. Well, like, um, they're, apparently they're in, like, an open relationship, but, like, they hmm. care very deeply for each other, and, like, whenever they can, they do talk to each other. And, like... Specifically for things that are like different and unusual to him, and he's like, "Oh wow, this." Is I cool. can kind of imagine that if he like gets more, uh, more agency, Silas would probably develop a similar kind of thing. I can definitely see Silas having like a new experiences type. Um. Yeah, well, like um, Her- Silas doesn't actually feel like um, like Silas is S- Silas's preferences would be like pretty strange. Like, he he doesn't strictly look for, like... Actually, I have no idea what Silas would look for. 
because um like this the, is the, the thing right it's like silent because a lot of silas's um as opposed to harrow's uh story like revolves around him not having a huge amount of agency especially the first time he does it yeah thing. uh but then, like, starting to build on that, like, like Silas had that experience and has, I want to say since, um, no, wait, is, is, is since correct? I don't remember why you went to the, no, you went, you were, no, so, so this has been, like, a, a, actually, like, since then. But, like, Silas had, the, like, this, this, uh, the, the crush on Merrin, which he was, like, was going nowhere. But before that, he got hit on at the garden party. Yeah. Because Silas has, like, a ridiculously high charisma score and is very pretty but doesn't know what to do with, like, advances from other people. But I feel like he's, like, improving on that now. Yeah, like, he would, like, now he would absolutely know what to do. And I feel like, like if, he, if he were put into that situation at the garden party again, like, even if he didn't know what to do, he would know what was happening. He would know yeah, why this yeah. one was talking to him. That was really funny. He's like, what? What's going on? Help. But, um, I do like that, um... Harrow, Harrow has a lot of, um, Harrow's just a general, like, warm, like, loving person that, like, he just takes care of people, even when, like, they really kind of don't deserve it. Like, there was this, there was a moment where, um, Eleanor was very drunk and, like, was making advances towards him, and, like, he was absolutely down with it, but he's like, wait, you're, you're, you're shit-faced, like, mm. this, this seems not okay. Like, to the point where, like, Harrow respects other people's agency, too. And he's like, Harrow's just a... Harrow is a good boy. He's just a good boy. And he's just very, like, fun to play. Because he is, like... Despite being, like, a five foot eight blind boy with, like, not actually that much muscle mass. He has, like, the... He has the moral code of a superhero. Like, he feels like he has, like, Superman sort of yeah, moral like... code. <laughs> You know, Har- Har- Harrow is a good boy. We, uh, we 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 all we all love Harrow. I think. This yeah. is the thing, right? I don't I don't think like anybody in the party in Beth's game dislikes Harrow. Like there are like rivalries that run across the party at times, but like I don't think anybody dislikes Harrow at all. Well, it's because well, to be fair, like Harrow gets himself involved in like helping other people, and he's like. Harrow is also very much willing to talk about his feelings and talk about how other people feel and, like, solve conflicts just by talking them out. And that, like, okay, like, when you do this, it makes me feel this way, and I know that's probably not how you meant it, but, like, let's talk about how we can, like, adjust this. Harrow's very much, like, a counselor kind of person, whereas, like, Silas is like, yes, conflict, let's go! But I like that, like, even even Eleanor, who, like, is often, like, constantly exasperated with the actions of mostly Azrael, let's put that out there. Like, other party members as well, occasionally, but yeah. mostly Azrael. And, and but, but I imagine her, like, you know, in, uh, like, like uh, the Chamber of Secrets, when they, like, first come back with the car, and Molly Weasley is, like, screaming her head off at them, and then she just, like, turns to Harry, and she's like, oh, it's, it's so nice to see you, dear. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Eleanor just, like, what? is yelling at Azrael, like, what the fuck were you doing? Like, sleeping with, like, the fascist demagogue. And and Azrael was like, I thought I had, like, a plan, but it turns out she's just wants to turn herself into a mantis lady, so the plan didn't work. And, but, uh, no. And, and, and Eleanor was just like, Harrow did nothing wrong. Harrow did nothing wrong. But, um... I feel like, um... I don't know that there's a huge amount to say, because of the three games, like, Fallon's game is still, like, 
quite young, but do you, you want to talk about Leatherhead? Oh, I absolutely do. Because I actually have, like, a, like a complex backstory for Leatherhead. Oh, wow. I, I know there's, like, some of it, because, like, Leatherhead is a, is a Sebek car, right? So he's, like, a crocodile man. Like, a very Egyptian-inspired, like, crocodile guy. But, so, Sebek, Sebek Ka are a very warlike, uh, imperialistic race. Like, and very rigidly hierarchy. And, like... Uh, they were. They have their god king Sebek, which is a literal god who is also the god of them and is also their king. And the, their des- they, they've been told that their destiny is to take over the world. And like for the most part, um, Sebeka have a uh, have a racial ability called blood rage, which is basically they go into a barbarian rage when they are injured or when they smell blood. So um, in the army. Uh, like in the in their military corps, they have this like kind of like gross self mutilation like thing. Like they view that their enemies aren't people, so you can eat them now. Like literally, they're just meat that you can just wreck apart now. And like um, Leatherhead is a uh, defector from the army because he's like, wow, we just massacred women and children. Like this ain't okay. And he brings it up to his CO, and his CO's like, what are you doing? Get back to eating. Like, stop. Like, we have no room for, like, sentiments here like this. This is the army, damn it. And he's like, welp, I'm outie. So he escapes, and he still has a lot of PTSD of involving the army, which is, like, not helping, because uh, the Sebeka fight Aboliths all the time. Sebeka have another racial ability called, like, like Reptilian Mind, which is, like, any time they have to make a will save, they can roll twice and take the better result. At any time they can make a will save. So that's super good, particularly against Abliths that are all, like, psychic-based. So, like, they can just rip them to pieces. And also, they're all melee-based, whereas Abliths are kind of, like, squishy and melee, but they're just a race of big, like, fish wizards. So the Abliths are like, no, we need to kill them. So, like, when we met the Ablith in that, like, plotline... Like, that's why, that was when he first turned to a shark, and he's just like, nope, we gotta kill him, gotta go. So, like, in, like, he reminds me of, like, um, the clones from Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and that, like, he's a good person, but he is absolutely programmed for war, and, like, he's only now slowly learning his way out of it. So, um, right now he is, like, a druid, so he kind of has this, like, a, like, um, deep south kind of aesthetic he's got going. In, in like a direct like um a direct opposition of the strict hierarchy of the army that he used to be in. So he's like, No, I'm just gonna have like my underwater banjo and like my like palm leaf hat and then just let's go. So yeah, Leatherhead is a ton of fun. Well that's, that's cool. Um I don't because this is the thing is like um obviously as the DM in my game I have to interact with Silas a lot and as we've established, like Asriel likes Harrow and likes spending time with him. Trick like has i think a working relationship with leatherhead yeah like they're both big right yeah uh, uh, that's but the trick is is largely like you know hey leatherhead get rid of these bodies <laughs> I, d- I do love the moment of just like feeding it into like a paper shutter just... <laughs> yes please crocodile man remove evidence make things easier but like um which is actually kind of why like well, I do enjoy playing like Leatherhead, 
I like I don't have the same investment that I have in like uh, Harrow and Silas. I, I I kind of feel like that's because like Fallon's game is still young and there's quite a lot of stuff that like hasn't come to fruition yet. So there's not been as much opportunity to explore any of the characters. Yeah, yet. then like we haven't had like any like missions that have any like like we haven't yet at least. I know that that's this is probably coming because that's this is something that Fallon enjoys and that most of us enjoy like missions that let us like show our characters mm. values whereas like most of the time we've just have been fighting Ableth and their minions which are all generally like if you're not evil aligned you can get behind just murdering yeah but also so, like, that's been like something that's been very focused on um yeah Maxi's character specifically and yeah. Kia's a bit I guess uh, like, yeah, because both of them have been victimized by the right. Atlas in the Whereas past. Whereas it's more difficult for us because, like, um, Leverhead's story involves a lot of things that are happening very far away. Trick has basically no story whatsoever outside Bippo. So, like, Trick and Bippo sort of... I, I feel like Trick is definitely going to, like... Fallon is going to have to, like, craft something for Trick the way I, like, crafted stuff for Silas. Like, just watch what comes out yeah. of her as a as a character as the campaign goes on and then like run into like some character development because it's like trick i've tried to do some stuff with trick but it's it's more difficult to like role play heavily when you're like struggling so much with the system um but i i have enjoyed like suggesting that trick is is um self-conscious about her like large everything <laughs> because um uh, Karkanak are like based on fiddler crabs, so normally they have um, the you have the female Karkanak who have like one d four claws, and then you have the male ones who have like one no, I think it's 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 the female ones have one d six claws, and then the male ones have like one one d eight claw and one one d four one, but you can take a feat called Craw Daddy, which upgrades both of your claws to like huge. 1d8 ones yeah so i got this idea that like trick is very self-conscious about her giant hands yeah. <laughs> which is like it's, because it's which makes sense yeah it, it's like trying to pick things um because a lot of trick is not a deep character trick is a like giant socialist crab mum who says things in a silly voice that's that's her character <laughs> so i have to sort of like pick character development where I can find it and there was like there was a joke that there was a joke where um Kia's character like gave a like cult leader a hand job yeah but oh but but like over a um over, over the gap between two sessions so we made this joke that like um Kia had been giving this cult leader this hand job for three weeks <laughs> And then later on, when it came like time to to um, actually fight this guy in front of his congregation, I don't remember the exact wording that I made her use, but like Trick made this joke where it's like, um, "I also can give you a hand job, but it might be sharper and less enjoyable." <laughs> and I think like definitely, uh, like obviously, um, uh, Leatherhead has more like backstory, but I think at the moment that's where the two of us are at is that we just sort of add flavor currently to something that's still very much other characters I mean story. quite literally flavor to like with in like um in Leatherhead's case because like he just mm -hmm. it's eats true. everything <laughs> like 
it's gotten to the yeah. point where like we've actually had a moment where like no don't eat the corpse there's actually loot on there and he just kind of has to like open his mouth and just like let um Shemezri kind of like become a pilot fish and just kind of like search through his mouth and find the loot no it's it's this is the thing right it's it's frustrating to me that like i'm so confused by pathfinder as a system because i genuinely enjoy felon's game and i like playing yeah it's super fun because, because it's it's such a cool setting to like just be it is, it's a fantastically time. cool setting and i love trick as a character because despite how like basic she is she's kind i like playing kind characters like i want to talk about seraphina um in like the context of silas in a minute but it's weird right because like i play azrael who is like a very acerbic character but i like the like chinks in the armor when Azriel gets to be kind, especially to Harrow. Like I really value the relationship those two characters have, because I think that's just where I am in my life right now. Like I've been playing D and D for like five years. I just I like playing kind characters. Like it is, it is fun to just be like the like just the the good person and like well because like um it's like I have to like I'll admit like playing Silas like Silas is not a good person. Like yeah. He is. He has good moments, but at heart, he yeah. is mostly just a chaotic boy. But um, and like to be fair, he does just kind of remind me of like a like a four chan mm. image board that's sprung to life, complete with terrible spelling. But like one of the like the 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 less garbage four chan image boards, like um, CK maybe he's not B. Okay, <laughs> no, he's not. He's like um, he's more like just like. Shitty memes, just like so. S four S, maybe. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's not the straight worst, but he's like unpredictable and uh, tiresome at times. Like, um, to be honest, like, uh, like I've had like glimpses of like deeper moments of Silas, but like the joke is that most p- time, no other character is around to witness it. So, um, it's funny to, so there's like, Silas doesn't really share his more, like, like, vulnerable moments with practically anyone, except nowadays Zell, actually. Zell is often, is more than often than not around Silas, so she does witness him, like, being not just this loud, shouty boy, but also, like, introspective and often more scared. Like, Silas is a very fear-based character, like, He's scared of being controlled, so he violently reacts against it. He's, like, scared of all these other things. And he's just like, nope, gotta get more powerful so I don't have to be scared. So, like... And then he masks it by just being completely LOL random all the time. Like, what's what's funny is that, like, the, the moment after, like, we make a deal... Like, Zell makes a deal with, like... <laughs> Faye, Mom, make, make 100 hands to, like have Silas not not get hurt a lot. The very next like thing we do is this Royal Rumble where like Silas gets gunpowder and like fucking concusses himself because he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he tries to rocket jump. It doesn't work. He only goes forward and just smacks himself. Mm. Like um the funny I'm thing actually is- like really proud of all of you in like the Royal Rumble um arc. Because whilst I'm really fucking mad because I just listened to like the uh, the first uh, posted live Adventure Zone um, session 
And I'm like, fucking Griffin, fucking McElroy did a way better D and D wrestling pay per view than I did. <laughs> but I am like really um, pr- proud of you guys and like how well, like Silas absolutely was into it. Like, I'd, like it, it sounds like the kind of like event that Silas would greatly enjoy. It's loud and brash, and like no one actually knows what they're doing, and so it's like, let's go. And it's all, it's all like, I mean, it's it's based on like actual professional wrestling, so it's a ridiculous cartoon, which sounds like exactly Silas's jazz. Also, like one quick tangent here is that like whenever I make a character that casts spells, I always like try to imagine like a unique, at least unique aesthetic to how they cast their magic, and mm-hmm. like have like Harrow's magic since he's a law mage be like he like. He would make like ruins and draconic like around his hand, like the Doctor Strange kind of thing, and like actually cast the spell and have the spell just say what it does in like in draconic around his hand. Like Fireball Lily will cast spell out Fireball and cast it. Whereas like when Silas casts his magic, it's like just the psychedelic on drugs kind of thing happening, and it's like this ridiculously over the top cartoon nonsense that just happens whenever he casts his magic. Mm-hmm. So like. Just this over t- over the top cartoon is just Silas's aesthetic. Let's go. Absolutely, but I, I think I was like kind of worried that like, um, with the exception of Maxi, who like loves pro wrestling like I do, and it was killing Maxi that like she knew that it was not in character for Zell to be into it. So, yeah. so she had to pretend to be like, like just unimpressed by this entire production, and she's like, "No, the thing I love." <laughs> Um, but I, I was kind of worried that, that like the rest of you would not quite get it, and I think actually like you all like latched on to stuff that was that was like I loved how um, Fallon latched onto like making whenever Marion came out after um, Rev because Rev's entrance involved like using uh, nature magic to make it rain inside the arena. It made the ramp all wet, and so like Marion would just like skate down this like uh the the runoff from that like into the ring i'm like it's cool you do that all the time this is exactly the thing is like your entrance is is the same and like um when i thought of okay so the 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 reason why i went with like silas's uh ring aesthetic was to be a clown and like be like creepy circus guy and like Mm -hmm. um because like Mirage Arcana is just a basically the spell that lets you over a certain amount of like space control like basically have this illusion that controls everything in that space that like it, like none of it's actually substantial in any way but like you can just project an illusion over this cube and like the cube was just enough to be like enough for the arena and like um like, he had this whole thing of, like, the way he changed was, like, he would be in, like, the magician's box and, like, out would pop out the other person. And, like, I was super into it. And, um, because there was a wrestler that I remember called Doink the Clown. I vaguely remember that Doink the Clown existed. I think Vince McMahon might prefer that you didn't. <laughs> I, I, that, because I remember watching it on pay-per-view and, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it was the strangest thing. And, um... That and, like, Silas pretending to be this, like, over-the-top clown is not at all pretending in any way. It's just, like, this is what Silas would do regularly. Which is funny, because, like, um... I, I remember... I remember that you, uh... That you, um... 
when like this first entrance is that like he made this huge like paper mache bomb just explode in confetti and he just like appears out of it and just cackling and you're like oh no not the gobbledygooker the fucking gobbledygooker <laughs> <laughs> and I watched the I watched the um the thing of like what that is and they're like what's in the egg what's in the egg and like it was so bad they, just, they were so upset because it was such a build up yeah it's like they they like had it on on stage on Raw for weeks and then it was just like oh it's like I can't remember which Guerrero it was it was one of the Guerreros just in like a dollar store turkey costume. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I loved when you did that because I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. Let's be honest, Silas um, in like a dollar store outfit of like a co- a clown is exactly the aesthetic. Um, like um, by the way, uh, apropos of nothing, I when when you said um, if I can go on a quick tangent for a moment, I was like, ah, so you've listened to the show? <laughs> I have. I've actually listened to every episode. Oh wow, fantastic! That's 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 great. We should probably wrap this up. Oh yeah. Hey, right, so um, who knows whether this episode will ever see the light of day? Because we had a major technical issue, and I'm gonna have to see if we can do some recovery stuff. Man, but I, uh, I suppose if you're listening to it, I succeeded. Audacity, please. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I don't. This is the, this is like the weird thing about having guests on the show is that like Beth and I usually sign off and we're like, this is where you can find us. Uh, is do you want people being able to like contact you about uh, about stuff that they heard on the show or? Uh... Absolutely sure. Why not? Um, let's see if I can. You can find me on Discord probably at Super Nerd Matt wants to battle. I don't remember what my number is. Um, uh, you can find me. Uh at Cleaver Crumish on Twitter and Tumblr and also on Twitch. Uh, yes, so the music was by Kevin McLeod. Um, I have a vague idea of what the background uh, images behind the text would be, um, but depending on length, this might be two episodes, in which case uh, they will be down in the description, the uh, credit for the images. Um, so, yeah, th- uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Presumably not Matt, but uh, Beth and I, hopefully... Uh, we'll uh, see you all uh, on the next episode, whenever that will be. So, uh, bye-bye. See ya.